Hello and welcome back. It's a new year, we have a new name, and we are setting forth into the unknown with renewed purpose and vision for what we want our family to look like. Thank you all for tuning in today. I am so excited to talk to you about the name change, who I am and what I represent, and what I really want this podcast series to reflect, and the renewed sense of purpose that my family has found, what that purpose is, and how we are adjusting our family to help us succeed in the vision that we want to create. To start with, if you have been listening, thank you very much. And you will know that my podcast used to be called Graceful Chaos. And I've recently changed it. That was also the handle for my Instagram account, and I've changed that as well. I've changed both names to Raising Healers because I felt like Graceful Chaos put more of an emphasis on how I was navigating motherhood and put an emphasis on how I was navigating the craziness of my life. And I found myself more and more paying attention to the chaotic moments, the crazy moments, the negative moments, and almost searching those moments out so that I could jot them down and have something to talk about. And even though it was called graceful chaos and how I I really wanted it to be about how I was gracefully navigating those instances, I did find that it gave me a very um, negative view of my life, my family, and what was going on. So I decided to change it to Raising Healers because that puts more of an emphasis on the goal that my family has and a higher emphasis on what we want to accomplish, what my husband and my goals are for parenting and raising our children and what we want to accomplish and who we want our children to become after they have spent their time with us. Because we really truly only have, you know, 16 to 18 years to impart our wisdom and our advice upon our children. And, you know, you never stop learning. I learn from my mom and dad every day and I'm 25. But the first 18 years are crucial. And raising healers really set down in stone what our goals were for raising our children. And I want to talk a little bit about what I mean when I say healer. I don't necessarily mean a medical healer or a spiritual healer, although those are also great forms of healing. When I talk about raising healers, I'm talking about raising children who are empathetic, who see the beauty in this world, or see a negative and think about how they can turn it into a positive. I'm talking about 
how I want my children when they're grown to be respectful, to be sensitive, to be sincere, to connect with human beings, to connect with animals, to connect with the living things around them on a very basic level. I want them to meet their challenges in life and instead of viewing them as challenges and seeing them as a brick wall, I want them to look at that challenge and instead of seeing simply a brick wall, I want them to see how they can build a ladder or see how they can find a rope and then attach a rope and shimmy over the top. I want them to view the world not as something that needs to be struggled through, but I want them to see the world as something that they have the opportunity to This world is a broken world. It's a cursed world. It's a fallen world. And we know that because scripture tells us that. And we know that because all you have to do is turn on the news, open up a newspaper, or, you know, sometimes just walk out your front door. And the evidence is all laid out like a feast, a very poorly prepared feast for us to gaze upon. And I want my children to be part of the solution. I want them to be builders. I want them to be healers. I want them to be teachers. I want them to be part of the beauty, part of the positive. And so that is why I changed the name to Raising Healers because I felt like that put more of a spotlight on my goal as a mother and you know my goal and my husband's goal as parents and who we want to raise. So that's a very big goal to have <laughs> and it can be very daunting um, and it seems you know, first of all, my children are only four and almost three. So imagining them leaving for college seems very, very far out in the distance, even though I know it'll be upon us before I can blink. But we are starting to lay the foundation now for who we want our children to become when they leave. And my husband and I have had many conversations about how we can achieve that. And one of the big things that we decided, well, we didn't really decide it. Um, my husband and I are both Christians and both very connected to God. So it was only natural that God play a very big role in our family life. So in the morning, the kids and I wake up and... We have a slow morning because I'm not a morning person at all. So our morning is very slow. But after we've woken up and gotten dressed and eaten breakfast, we start off every single day by worshiping together. You know, sometimes I read from the Bible. I try and read a story from the Bible every morning. But that's not always something that the kids want to do because they're small. And so... I will turn on a worship video on YouTube or put a song on our radio 
and we'll just sing together. And children pick up on absolutely everything that their parents do. And if you want your children to have a good relationship with God, and you want their, your children to know him deeply and intimately the way that you know him, you need to start by being transparent with them. There's no reason to pray to God and to leave your children and your family to do that. There's no reason to sit on the couch and look at your phone while your kids worship because how are they going to know how to worship unless they watch you worship? And so there's no walls between me and God or around me and God when it comes to my children. And being raised Catholic, we do not raise our hands when we sing. We do not... Um, you know, hold our hands out or clap our hands or do anything that remotely draws attention to ourselves because Mass is a very reverent, somber, memorial-type thing. And I absolutely love Mass, Um, so don't misunderstand me because I truly do absolutely adore going to Mass. But there's also a place in my heart that my husband revealed to me through dating and through our marriage. There's also a place in my heart for just worshiping without abandon. And there's a part in the Bible where David dances undignified before the Lord. And he's not dancing undignified to show everybody what a amazing son of God he is, right? And he's not saying, oh, look at me. I'm the best worshiper and look how I worship God. And if you are raising your hands and closing your eyes and clapping during church so that other people can see how you're worshiping and what a great Christian you are, then you're missing the point. But when I am singing certain songs, Oceans for one um, is one that's been getting to me lately. I if I feel moved to close my eyes and to lift up my hands, I do it. And it is the most beautiful thing in the world to me to see my children worshiping with their eyes closed and their little faces scrunched up and their hands raised high because they see that that's how I'm doing it. Or they see that's how daddy's doing it. And... Seeing my children follow my husband's lead and my lead while we're worshiping, so much so that they copy our hand movements and our facial expressions, really opened my eyes to how much they look up to us in everything that we're doing. So we start our day off with God which kind of sets the tone for our day and frames our day the way we want it to go because we want our day to glorify him. We want the things that we learn to glorify him in our actions and our words. And I come back to that a lot with my kids. Um, You know, did it glorify God when you hit your brother? (laughs) Or do you think that you are being a blessing to our family right now 
and that you are glorifying him through yelling at mommy. And that really helps frame um, different conversations that we have. Which brings me to another key part that my husband and I have decided is crucial to raising healers is communication and how we communicate to our children. And we aren't perfect. We are absolutely far from perfect. Um, And we yell every now and then and lose our temper because we're human. But for the most part, we try very hard to speak to our children with respect and with empathy and to recognize their emotions and their feelings when they're feeling them. For example, my son this evening took the attachment to our vacuum cleaner that you stick on the end to, you know, get into hard to reach places. He loves that. That's his favorite toy. (laughs) And he took that off the vacuum cleaner and he stuck it on the end of his wooden sword that he got for Christmas. And he, so it was this real long, giant, tubey wooden sword contraption that he made. And he started zooming around the house with it um, and called it his airplane. And he was zooming around and um, knocking things over. And my husband told him that's not something we can play with in the house because he almost knocked over um, a couple glasses of water that were sitting on the counter. So my husband took that away from him and told him that he could have it later on. We could go outside and play with it. And then that way he wouldn't be at risk of breaking anything. And my son absolutely lost it. He screamed and cried and just sobbed. His little heart was just absolutely broken. And at that point, it would have done absolutely zero good to yell at him to stop crying. Because he wasn't crying so that he could get something. He wasn't crying because he was trying to manipulate. He wasn't crying because he knew that it made us upset. He was genuinely, absolutely crushed that that toy was taken away from him. And... We obviously didn't give the toy back because there are boundaries and there are rules, right? But I picked him up and I said, wow, that was a really, really cool thing that you just built. And he said, yeah, mom, and daddy took it away from me. And I said, you are so upset that daddy took that away from you, aren't you? He said, yeah. I said, wow, you're really, really angry. And he said, no, I'm not. And I said, you're not angry? He said, no. And I said, well, how are you feeling? He said, I'm really, really sad. And I held him on my lap and just rocked him. And I said, I am so sorry that you're sad. And I'm so sorry that it hurt your feelings and broke your heart. And he just let me hold him. And That wasn't giving him the toy back. That wasn't, you know, giving him what he wants or giving in or anything. But that's just recognizing his emotion and meeting him where he was. If my husband came to me when I was very upset, or my sister, or my mom, or any other adult 
if I was genuinely sad and upset and crying and someone came over to me and yelled at me for crying and told me to, you know, stop that crying. Just it move on. You're not allowed to have it. Come on. You can do better than that. Or, you know, however adults talk to children when they're upset, like, oh, come on. We don't have time for this right now. I would feel very, very hurt. And I would feel very, very disrespected. And children are no different from adults in that respect. They are still human beings with emotions. They are tiny human beings. And because they are tiny human beings, probably more so deserve our respect and our empathy. Because they have all of the emotions, but they are so much bigger when you're so little and don't know how to handle them yet. We used to joke all the time that my daughter was a little pixie like Tinkerbell because in Peter Pan it says um, fairies are so little that they only have room in their body for one emotion at a time but they feel that one emotion with their entire body and that was definitely my daughter to a T and definitely is my son and I think applies to most toddlers and children they feel things so much stronger than adults do because they don't know how to process them yet. And there is a time and a place to say, you know what, I understand that you're upset, but we need to move on and we can talk about this later. But say it like that. And at this point, I'll direct you to another podcast that I've been listening to called Raising Wildlings. And they have... It's an amazing podcast. It's two um, Australian women talking about this whole kind of home education movement that they started. And they interview different experts in the field of child raising. So, um, you know, child psychologists and scientists who study um, the importance of play and different things. And in the podcast, they were interviewing an American child psychologist and he said that at one of his conferences an older woman approached him and said you know what you won't find this in any textbook or anything but my mother always said whenever you're scolding a child or talking to them correcting them um counseling them the most important thing is that you should have soft eyes and I really got a a huge wave over my heart when I was listening to that because it's so true you you cannot be disrespectful and angry and yell with soft eyes the two just don't don't compute and don't connect so I have really been trying to go out on a limb and meet my children where they're at in that moment and especially when they're having all of the emotions. And, you know, this evening, my son realized that he could come to me when he was sad and I would not brush that away. And that's important. That's very, very important because that's planting a seed for later in life. You know, when he has his first girlfriend and his first breakup, I hope he doesn't ever feel like he has to go to his room and cry and be by himself when he's sad. I hope that he can share that with me. And same thing when he's angry or disappointed in himself or made a bad choice. 
I am planting the seeds for the future when they get into trouble or get their heart broken or do something that disappoints them that they know will disappoint us. I am paving the road so that it's a lot easier for them to walk over to me later in life and and connect with me about that and not be afraid of me necessarily scolding them or yelling at them or being disrespectful or demeaning, but truly listening to what they have to say and responding empathetically. So starting our day with God, um, talking to our children with respect and with empathy instead of just barking orders at them. Um, that's another big thing too. Instead of saying, you need to pick that up right now. Um, suggesting, well, when we're done eating and we throw our bowls on the ground, we could probably get bugs and mommy would step in it and it would be yucky and we would have food on the ground and that would make it yucky. So where do you think that you should put the bowl when you're done eating? Oh, the sink? That's a great idea. That's a perfect place. Can you go and do that for me, please? That's so much nicer than put your bowl in the sink. You know, I would not like to be barked at. My husband doesn't bark at me. Other adults that I'm friends with, they don't bark at me and give me orders. They ask me to do things respectfully if they need me to do them. So that's another big thing. Um, also setting boundaries firmly, but compassionately. Like my husband did tonight. No, I'm sorry, we can't play with that toy in the house. And so they know the structure. And I am working very hard to create sort of a um, firmer structure in our house because children, scientifically, this is backed up by loads of evidence. Um, and I don't have any names to pull for you right now, but it's scientifically backed up that children feel safer and thrive when there is structure, when they know what is coming next. And we had a pretty good schedule set up here and then anxiety hit and depression hit and COVID hit. And also my kids are kind of at that age where they're transitioning out of naps, or at least my daughter is transitioning out of naps. And because my kids are only 15 months apart, they do basically everything together. And so because my daughter's transitioning out of naps, my son is therefore transitioning out of naps but also sometimes they need them. And so that's kind of hard to um, navigate. But I'm working on setting up more of a schedule and not necessarily a schedule, but I'll, I'll use the word rhythm, which is what I have been finding. A lot of home educating parents use the word rhythm instead of schedule because it implies a softer, looser set feel for the day so you don't get that anxiety of checking off boxes and oh we didn't get this done so i'm working on you know we have our morning worship time after breakfast and then we move into maybe the kids play independently while i tidy up the kitchen from breakfast um and then we do our morning um circle time together which I call it circle time because the kids were in daycare for a little while while I was teaching preschool and they have a circle time. So that's just the language that they understand for meaning 
us gathering together on the carpet and reading and singing songs and um, going over the alphabet and different things like that. So anyway, I'm working on setting up a rhythm for our family. And also one of the other things um, is mirroring how you want your kids to respond when they are hurt or happy or sad or angry. So like I mentioned earlier, kids watch and learn from what you do. And so if you stub your toe and shout and curse and yell, then when they get hurt, they are going to do the same thing. If when you are angry, you shout and and stamp your foot and yell or throw something, which I have done, I have thrown a magnet tile across the room before because I stepped on it. Um, and I immediately, upon doing that, I heard my own words. Now, do we throw toys when we get upset? That's not okay to throw toys. And I, I kind of laughed, actually, because I sat down afterwards with the kids and I said, Mommy wants to apologize because I threw your toy when I got angry. And is it okay to throw toys when we're angry? And both the kids said no. And I said, do you think mommy might need to take a time out to think about how I could have handled that better? And they said, yeah. So we sat on the couch and I said, well, maybe next time I step on something, I can just take a couple deep breaths before I react. And they said, yeah, that's good. And it was really funny. But mirroring how you want your kids to act is really important especially um, if you have children who are more explosive and feel things more strongly. My daughter is one of those, um, and she takes after me in that respect. She's very passionate, very emotional, driven by emotions. She feels things so strongly, and she's got one of the most compassionate hearts that I've known. But when she gets angry, she gets really, really angry. And she gets angry right now. And something that we've been working on with her is screaming into a pillow or um, going into her room and punching the pillow in her bed when she gets angry, taking a couple calming breaths, and then coming out and trying to talk to me about what's going on in her big girl words. And I noticed after I was listening to a podcast, actually, I think it was um, one of the Daddy Homeschools podcasts, which you should also check out. It's pretty great too. Um, He was talking about, if I remember correctly, he was talking about how um, your kids react watching you react. So again, mirroring and He didn't exactly use that term, but it was along those lines. And so I tried it for a couple days. I said, well, you know, moms just yell. That's just what moms do. And and I'm the same as every other mom. And that is true. Adults yell. But is that right just because it's true? And so I took a couple days where I said, you know what? I'm going to make every effort not to yell for these days and see what happens. And on those days where I did not yell and tried very hard to stay calm, take a couple breaths, walk away when I need to, to come back to the situation. My daughter did the exact same thing. 
and she had such better days doing those things, uh, watching me, how I handle emotional response. Um, that's, I think, the term that he used. So she learned from me just in those short days how to handle her anger better. So that's also something that we are working on is the mirroring and teaching them emotional response, um, good emotional response, healthy emotional response. One of the other things that I wanted to touch on, my husband got me the Chronicles of Narnia book series for Christmas, which I have absolutely no idea how I haven't read these all the way through because I am a writer and a reader um, a very voracious reader. And so he gave me these books and I've been diving into the world of Narnia and it is just the most pure, beautiful, innocent series of books. And that is something that I want to protect in my children. I want to protect their imagination I want to protect their ability to dream and invent and be curious. And I want to protect the sacredness that is childhood. And I think that protecting that sacred childhood will result in adults who are more emotionally connected and more vulnerable and more empathetic and more compassionate. So that's something that is very near and dear to my heart. And that is why my family has made the decision to homeschool. And I don't necessarily love the term homeschool because it kind of implies that we're doing it in the home. And... My children and I spend far more time out of the home than we do in the home. Um, I am very much in the belief that if you remove children from the real world, put them in classrooms together eight hours a day inside the four walls of the building with the same kids and the same teacher and the same curriculum day in and day out, how can you expect them to then translate what they're learning in the school building to real life if you're taking them out of real life? How does removing children from the world and then expecting them to function, how did that become the standard of education in our world? And um, next week, I'm going to be diving more into our homeschooling philosophy and more about what I have come to learn about home education and what we believe and what that looks like for our family. Um, So I won't talk a whole lot about that right now, but I just believe that if the children are home and not even in the home, but if they're with me and we can go different places, we can go to to Gettysburg when we study the Battle of Gettysburg, we can go to... um, you know, Washington, D.C., when we learn about government. We can go out in the woods when we're learning about amphibians and reptiles and mammals. I mean, my daughter already knows 
the difference between mammals, reptiles, amphibians, how to identify a venomous snake from a non-venomous snake, and like all of these crazy cool facts that she learns because she picks up my husband's guidebooks, and we go out in the woods, and we you know, catch snakes and show her the difference. Obviously, we don't catch the venomous snakes, but we show her, oh, look, this snake has a round head and round eyes, and you know, if he were a venomous snake, he would have a heart-shaped head and his eyes would be vertical up and down like a cat's. And and she gets to touch it and feel it and see it and live it. It's different than just reading it in a textbook. Um, so we believe that educating the kids at home also ties into protecting that sacredness that is childhood and um, protects their creativity and their curiosity which will then lead to adults who are more empathetic and compassionate and more positive and want to bring about positive change in the world. So I kind of want to end on um, a quote that I absolutely love by C.S. Lewis because I have just completely immersed myself in his world. And I love, as a writer, he has my utmost respect as a fellow writer I just think he is I mean he's a genius and the world recognizes that I don't need to say it but anyway he says children are not a distraction from more important work they are the most important work and that is so true how can we expect the world to change if we don't start with our children. So thank you so much for listening. And I really hope that you stick with me on this podcasting journey. Um, I've changed the name to Raising Healers, so you can also find me on Instagram at Raising Healers. And I would love to connect with you. Um, You can shoot me a message on there if you have questions or would like for me to talk about any certain things in a podcast. I'd love to hear from you. And you'll see more of what we do in my everyday life, our everyday life how we go about raising healers, what that looks like, what our days look like, what our homeschooling life looks like. And you'll just get a glimpse, um, a further glimpse into what I've been talking about. So I thank you guys for listening and I hope you have a really blessed week. I'm praying for all of you and I will talk to you soon.